No, it's all good. Dials, these dials on both sides. See these? That's this back side, which has the mic gain, and then we have the other side, which actually has a similar thing, but the headset. So, oh, it's a bit confused. Sorry, not enough coffee. Welcome to GCP Life, a podcast where we talk about Google Cloud and tech. This is episode number five. This show is sponsored by Kazna. At Kazna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. I am your host, Stephen Bancroft. And on today's show, crypto miners are at it again. Do we really need an IT department? Sydney gets technical with a new hub. Google are spending more money. Plus... It's certification time. But before we get to any of that, I want to welcome the co-host that's with me every week, Ida Bailey. How are we going, Ida? I'm going really well, thank you. You getting much rain there, Ida? Uh, quite a bit. Um, luckily, it's all at night. It's been really nice weather out here. Just going for a swim every day, actually. Yeah, we're getting a lot of that La Nina. Um, the east coast of Australia is just getting hammered at the moment. It's, it's pouring down rain outside at the moment. And it just won't stop. It will not stop. Yeah. I just, yeah, probably New Zealand's probably copping it as well, I imagine. Um, yeah, super, super warm water here, actually, having this massive, like, normally the water's, like, too cold to get in, and now it's, like, 22 degrees. It's really nice. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what Lenina does, right? It, it changes the current of the Pacific Ocean and pushes all the warm water in the opposite direction, and that brings all the rain with it. Yeah, so uh, I think we'll be like this. I think it'll be wet, wet summer for us here on the East Coast and you guys as well, I'd say. Um, how was AWS? AWS the other day. I mean, I'm not, I'm not bagging the opposition, but how, how has the world got to a situation where one provider can break and half the world goes offline? <laughs> you know, it's surprising they didn't actually notice anything not working. Oh, I noticed. I noticed. I, I had to do some load testing for a um, project I'm working on, and the whole load testing tool was just busted. And then I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll go and do a bit of, bit of study for this cert that I'm, I'm uh, studying for, which we'll, we'll talk about later. And, uh, of course, uh, the, whole, the whole site was offline. The whole training site was broken as well. Kind of couldn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Anyway, it, 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 was, it was on and off, and, and I think eventually it was some yeah, it took up. A, a long time to fix, didn't it? It took a long time to fix, yeah. I, l- I like to read the, uh, the synopsis. I, I, AWS aren't as transparent with their, um, their outage notifications as, as Google are. I don't think we'll get all the details on exactly what happened. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I've just got to have – I've got a gripe here as well. I, you, know, you know LinkedIn, LinkedIn, right? Well. I'm on LinkedIn, right? And I've added a bunch of certs on there. I've currently got four Google certs on there. And since I've done that, the, the contact from recruiters and from people claiming to sell courseware has gone up exponentially. And it's, it must be, I don't know, three, four, five requests a day I get on LinkedIn. Oh, we've got this great job for you. or um, how about, are you interested in getting uh, Azure or AWS certifications? And they can see I'm a, a Google guy. No, no, no. I always, I, I usually put them into my, 
you know, network. Because, you know, it's good. You never know. You've got to have them in your network. And I, yeah. I usually, you know, respectfully say, no, thank you. You know, I'm not interested. That, that's fine. And sometimes you get someone reply back, why aren't you interested? I want to know why you're not interested. <laughs> and I have to say, well, you know, I've kind of got my training sorted out and I'm, I'm a Google guy. But this one person, and I was shocked. I was absolutely shocked when this happened. If you go on my LinkedIn, you'll see the post there. They offered for one of their engineers to sit an AWS certification for me. I was shocked. So they're boldface offering to cheat on one of the exams. Now, I don't know how they're getting away with this because I know when I go to sit my, mind you, I've never sat an AWS exam. Well, I, when I go to sit my GCP certs, it's all, you know, signed in triplicate and cross-checked and you've got to show your ID and hand over your firstborn and all the rest of it. I, I don't know unless it's a bogus cert that they, they make up somehow. Yeah, they doctor your passport and then send it through or something. Yeah, yeah, but it'd be quite a bit of work. <laughs> it'd be a bit of work, and it, it must be something in from because what are you paying for an AWS cert? Probably similar, two hundred bucks, same as a a Google yeah. cert. They're probably they're probably charging a little bit more and uh, just just raking it in that way. But I tell you what, it, and uh, look, I, I I did the right thing. I reported it to LinkedIn, but. Didn't get much response from LinkedIn, unfortunately. So I had to out them. And um, yeah, look, I don't know. It's just a, just a pet, pet peeve of mine. If, if someone's going to contact me on on LinkedIn, uh, I want it to be legitimate. And I think that kind of thing should be weeded out on that platform. But anyway, that's yeah, that's too. enough for me. Um, yeah, so talking about certs, I do have a cert booked in. I want to sit the uh, pro developer cert for this Friday, the 17th. Uh, if I pass that, that will be my fifth uh, GCP professional certification. Very nice. It should be nice to put in the old kit bag, yeah. Um, and I, that for me, it's, it's ticked off all the ones I'm really interested in. Um, I could do the database one, uh, but, you know, I hear the word database and my eyes glaze over and <laughs> I, I immediately fall asleep on the couch. <laughs> so um, I, I think I should do it because it's a bit of a blind spot for me, but um, I think I should do it anyway. But yes, the developer one, and look, I, I mean, it's it's all pretty straightforward. It's just a whole bunch of Kubernetes stuff thrown in there as well. Um, I, I really have to knuckle down and, and get a bit more familiar with, but um, I think I think it should be pretty much a shoe-in. Um, now on that, I was going to, people say to me, um, they say to me, how, um, you know, What's the secret? What's the secret to getting a certification? Well, what are the secrets here? How do you, how do you sit and what do you do? Well, I've made a list here of five. I'm going to start from number five. The number five on my list is there are no secrets. Right, just do the work, study the material, work in it for a while, um, and you'll get familiar with it. And once you've done a couple of certs, you'll find that there's actually pollination between, cross-pollination between them. They, they kind of cover, start to cover the same areas, the important areas. Uh, IAM is a big area for GCP. Um, uh, you know the, the security concepts. Um, you know things like uh, con you know the uh, least privileged concepts, access least privileged access. Um, things like that. They tend to cross over, so um, it does become easier. But yeah, just just you just got to get in and know it. Um, I would also say um, have a good training tool. Um, you know, I use a cloud guru, and I'll say that on the show. I think they're, I think it's really good. Yeah, uh, that's that's un, that's an unsponsored plug there. I think they're really good. <laughs> um, 
you can use your colleagues, you can use sort of informal sort of approach and try and glean info off your colleagues. But if you use something like a cloud guru, it's going to be really targeted to that what's in the exam and you'll go in and you'll, you'll just hit it on the head um, with, with what's in the exam because these subjects are so broad. And after you've done a few, you'll start to collate all the subjects into sort of an organized mess in your mind. But to try and take it all in and know everything deep and wide, I think is, is probably not the, what you should be doing. You should try and just target it to what needs to happen with that exam and using something like the ACG is going to do that for you. Um, they provide a practice exam. You probably should do that three, four, or five times. Um, also, the Google have practice exams, um, or like a like a, uh, an example of what they'll do, like twenty questions kind of thing. Do that a couple of times as well. Make sure you understand those practice exams and the concepts around the, the questions in those exams. Um, try and get hands on as well. Now, it's not always going to be practical. Um, Sometimes it can take a long time to get hands-on, um, but at least try and do a little bit, um, get familiar with the console, especially if you're new to using Unix command line, um, try, and, try and do some there. And, uh, you know, get familiar with uh, where things lay, are laid out in the bill. If you, if you can imagine it in your mind, yourself clicking on things, that, that does help a lot as well. Um, in terms of the actual exam, my strategy for the exam is to go through, answer all the questions first go. Um, now, there's going to be ones in there you're not sure of, um, especially with the, with the network professional exam. That, that, just, oh, that just was a killer. They normally, something you could explain in a, in a simple network diagram, they explain it with a big block of text. And, mm. and you have to read the text three or four times before you actually develop the image in your mind of what's going on. Um, so questions like that, you're going to have a punt at it. You're going to have a feel for what the answer is, and you just have a punt at it. And if you find yourself you spending... quickly, you know, draw your own little diagram. Well, you, don't, you go, can't have a pen yeah. and paper. Oh, you really? can't have a pen and paper. No, you just got to sit there. You, you, no phones. No, you've got to take your watch off, all that stuff. You've got to just sit there. The only thing they allow you to take is the shirt on your back and your glasses if you need it. Um, yeah, so you, got, you might have to read a question like several times. Um, but my advice is always put an answer. Put an answer straight away. Move, if you're finding yourself spending too long on the question, put the answer, mark it, because you can mark it for review. Move on to the next one, right? Mm. Do the same. Answer every question on the first go through. Then go back reassess the ones that you've marked. Um, you'll often find on the second go through, uh, there might often be a question that's actually related to a previous question. That's something I've found out. Or the answer could be in a previous question, the way that they've asked the question. Yeah, yeah. Right, so use that strategy. So go back and review those ones. And, and quite often, you'll change your answer. And that I found I've changed my answer a lot of times. Then at the end of all of that, you should have a little bit more time left because you've got two hours. Go back and review every single question again. And, and what you'll find is um, on the first go through, you'll be going, oh, I've had it. I'm, I'm done. I've, I've cooked this. So I'm going to lose this test. But if you go through and you read it second time through, this has happened to me on every single exam. I go, ah, yeah, no, nah, I got this. I got this in the bag. I'm going to nail this. Because you, you're rechecking a question and you go, yeah, that is absolutely the correct question. Mm. Uh, and you're out of that sort of 
you know, shock and awe that that fight and flight response by that time. You know, once you're nine, you know, once you're you're ninety minutes into a hundred and twenty minute exam, all the nerves are sort of calmed by then, and you can you can review the questions quite quite yeah. sanely. Sometimes I've gone back and I'm like, oh, I totally misread that question, and I thought it was straight straight and easy. I was like, oh, actually, whoops, wrong one. Yeah, that's right. So yeah. that's right. So. Yeah, look, they're, they're, the, they're the tips, guys. I mean, you're not going to – if someone – I've had a lot of people ask me, well, how do I pass it, how do I pass it, expecting me to give them the answers. Well, like, I can't give you the answers, right? Like, it's a two-hour exam. There's 50 questions. The only way you're going to get the answers is sit down and study the material. Uh, don't use yeah. cheaters on LinkedIn. Um, learn the stuff, and it'll be, it'll be pretty rewarding for you in the long run. Also, if you uh, are cheating and you go onto a forum and use your own name um, asking for answers, it looks really bad in a job interview. <laughs> so I've seen that before. I've Googled someone who's applied and like, ah, oh, you've popped up on this thing asking for answers, like exam answers. Wow. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Didn't, didn't get an interview for that guy. <laughs> so. Yeah, don't shoot yourself in the foot. That's that's the story there, right? Yeah, <laughs> don't shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, um, and that's that's the thing with using something like Cloud Guru, right? So we know how they're developing these these this courseware. They're developing developing it from people that have sat the exam, right? That's 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 how they're doing it, right? Yeah, and I actually don't see a problem with that, right? Like that's that that means that someone else has put in their own effort to develop that, right? And that's probably helped their understanding of it as well, right? Um, and, yeah. You, I mean, the, yeah, the exams are pretty clear about what they cover as well. Absolutely they are, yeah. Yeah, yeah and they've developed it out of the, the, the curriculum for the exam. That's, that's there. It's public, readable. You can find it. Um, um, anyway, guys, uh, that's, that's it. If, you, if you're doing a cert, this is going to be, for me, on Friday, it's my last big push for the end of the year, I think. Actually, don't go and leave until twenty second. But um, when I've done that exam, my mind is signed off. I'm done. <laughs> um, Ida, uh, what have we got here? Um, getting encryption right with cloud. Yeah, I was just um, had a, a quite a bit of um, I guess conversation going on at work around. Kind of what is the, the best practice for encryption, um, particularly around storage brackets when you, you know, you're chucking data into a storage bracket, um, just how many layers of encryption do you need? Um, is a bit of a, a tick-the-box exercise that gets done when you have encryption at rest and people think, oh, you know, encryption at rest in your storage bracket, uh, whether it's AWS or GCP, is like, oh, yeah, you know, that obviously it's encrypted. Um, and it is but only in the circumstances of if someone pulls that disk out of the data center and then tries to like and look at it um but anyone else who has access to that bucket will obviously have access to the clear text and so there's this uh how do you if you want to have an extra protection against say an insider who has access uh, how do you do that and there's there's a whole bunch of different ways um uh, um uh, google has a sdk called tink which they've kind of got, which is a, an opinionated way of doing um, encryption for things like storage brackets, but actually a whole bunch of other stuff as well. Um, but one of the ones that I came across in that was, uh, which is kind of envelope encryption, which is basically a, a simple way of, say, every time you upload a file to a storage bracket, when you 
on the client side, say it's an app or a mobile um, interface or something like that, you when you create the upload file, um, you basically create a key and then you go and pull this master key and you encrypt both. You encrypt the data with this key you've created and then you encrypt the key itself with this other master key and then you stick them all together and you chuck the key in the um, you encrypt the key and the file that you want, you've already encrypted in the storage bucket. So whoever gets that file, they um, if they download it onto the bucket, they'll actually need to have this master key to un- encrypt. And once they do that, then they have this extra layer of keys. So you have this kind of layer of um, encryption. And it's quite a simple, easy way of making sure that, you know, if you've got a public bucket that people are pushing stuff to, that that public bucket doesn't, even if it does somehow get misconfigured, um, everything on there is already encrypted and they need to have this extra access to this master key, which is probably not going to happen. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, this Tink library from Google is great. It'll be in the show notes. But um, there's some very uh, opinionated ways of doing things. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Right, so you would do that programmatically, right? You want to put, you encrypt something, put it in there, uh, and then whatever else has to go in to fetch that file. Uh, yeah. has access to the key and then can decrypt it and present it to the user. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a few other interesting ways, basically actually putting like a proxy in the middle and that proxy will actually encrypt all the files that are being sent through the proxy um, transparently and then similarly you can unencrypt them transparently ah. through the proxy as well, just through the cloud run. Right. So th- um, this would be good for enterprise where they want to push something up, uh, store it in a bucket um, yeah. as it goes through a proxy, gets encrypted, put in there. Mm. Yeah, and so you don't need to deal with keys on the client side or anything like that. It just doesn't. Um, but yeah, there's always the added cost of um, you know key management. And yeah, if yeah, I delete the key, it. then I've lost all of my data. So you got to keep that key. Yeah. <laughs> you don't really. You've got to have something kind of set up a bit better. Write it on a piece of paper and lock it in the safe, kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it comes down to ultimately, right? Because if you store it online anywhere, it's it's. <laughs> going to get cooked yeah. <laughs> um right so th- so this is a specific problem you were dealing with in uh your latest project uh yes yep. yeah but it's kind of it's it was one it triggered by one specific thing and then it kind of brought up all these other things of what actually how do we what is the best way of doing it um and there are, there are a lot of different ways of doing encryption and yep. which you know which ciphers you use and how do you generate the keys and we store the keys it's um, really depends on your use case and your um, threat modeling. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, I suppose you could salt the data as well, right? Um, so if they, uh, if they do get the encryption, they don't know what the salt is and it's, it's garbage to them anyway. Yeah. 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 There's um, so many different ways. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It depends on what data it is. Yeah. Yeah. With streaming or what stuff and stuff you want. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, some some uh, food for thought there because you're absolutely right. It it may be encrypted on the disk, but when you pull that data out, um, yeah, it's in the clear. And I guess you can use VPC service perimeters to prevent that data ex- exfiltration to a certain degree, but um, yeah, it's still encrypt. It's still in the clear if the person, you know, um, has access inside the VPC. Um, yeah, cool. All right. Well, um, yeah, I'll be thinking about that one. Um, all right. I wanted to move on here. Um, this is a quick one, I guess. Um, 
our friends at Quantum Brilliance, we've mentioned them on the show before, Australian quantum computing company, they're, um, they're setting up base in this Sydney Tech Central. Now, what is Sydney Tech Central? Well, um, the, the federal government, along with New South Wales government, is um, opening what's called the Quantum Terminal. Um, and it will inv- the government will invest up to 21 million AU to pr- prioritise affordable accommodation for scale-ups. So it's kind of going to be like a mini Silicon Valley, mini, 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 mini Silicon Valley <laughs> right in Sydney at, at 477 Pitt Street, which uh, if you know Sydney at all, it's up, up near Railway Square, up, up near Central Station. Um, new hub, lots of new tech startups in there. Um, yeah, interesting. Um, Atlassian are there nearby to there, um, the Atlassian buildings there. Um, and uh, companies like NEC and NTT um, will be set up in there. Uh, a national space industry hub and semiconductor hub are also set to establish and form part of the Tech Central. Yeah, so it's going to be this little, uh, little, uh, you know, highly dense tech place where, you know, startups, I guess it would be good to have them all there and have, have access to each other and say, oh, we need... You know, we need some silicon made for this thing we've we've built. Uh, run across here and you know get the designs into these guys. They'll build it for us. Um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Looks pretty cool. Yeah, um, just thought I'd mention it because it's got our old friends Quantum Brilliance, and they're going to set up there. Um, yeah. So um, I guess talking about quantum computing and and uh, you know it, what it can do. Um, it can do crypto mining, but turns out that cloud VMs can also do crypto mining. And Google has pointed out that it is the number one cause for hacked projects. So Google has released the Threat Horizons report, and they list the number of uh, threats. Um, that they have observed. And the number one thing is compromised Google Cloud instances used for crypto mining. Comes as no surprise. No. Some, <laughs> some poorly configured GCP instances are compromised quickly and used for cryptocurrency mining and other malicious activities. Now, does, does that surprise you either at all? <laughs> uh, no, I've, I've seen it myself. <laughs> you, you've seen it yourself. This has happened to you recently? Yeah. I don't want to be specific, but I've, in the last few years, um, actually more than once, uh, but usually it hasn't been the misconfigured instance itself. It's been someone doing, you know, uh, committing their public or their, their service account keys to a public Git repo, yep. and as soon as it happens, there's basically people scanning for particular file names or regexes and GitHub, and then grab that key, and they're Bingo. away. And they're away. <laughs> yeah. Yep. yep. Absolutely. The report goes on to say 86% of the compromised Google Cloud instances were used to perform cryptocurrency mining, a cloud resource intensive or profit activity comes as no surprise. So we've got, uh, here's what they're used for. 86% um, conduct crypto mining, 10% conduct port scanning of other targets, 8% launch attacks against other targets on the internet, 6% host malware, 4% host unauthorized content on the net, 
Uh, I can only imagine what that is. All those torrent files, I'd imagine. Uh, uh, 2% launch DDoS bots. I would have thought that'd be a lot more. Uh, and 2% send spam. There you go. Malicious actors gained access to the Google Cloud's instances by taking advantage of poor customer security practices or vulnerable third-party software in nearly 75% of all cases. Yeah, interesting about vulnerable third-party software. It'd be interesting what the breakdown is on that. Um, uh, like WordPress, perhaps? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, so it'd be things like that. Okay, yeah, I've seen um, yeah. the uh, numbers there. 26% of compromised instances were attributed to vulnerabilities in third-party software. Oh, yeah, yeah there's a breakdown there. That's right. Um, and then uh, a couple of other, couple of other points here in, the, in this. Um, the shortest amount of – this happens really quickly, right? The shortest amount of time between deploying a vulnerable cloud instance exposed to the internet and its compromise was determined to be as little as 30 minutes. So you stand up a VM and SSH is open and you can log onto it with uh, the root account and the password is password. You probably got, yeah. well, you probably got less than 30 minutes. Password, wow. <laughs> Come on, yeah. it's got to be secure. It's got to be secure. Yeah. Um, 58% of situations, the cryptocurrency mining software was downloaded to the system within 22 seconds of being compromised. So instantaneously, as soon as it's open, bang, it's mining crypto. Mm. Because it's got to be, right? Because it, these are effectively uh, preemptive instances for <laughs> crypto miners. Yeah. Um, a few other little highlights here in the report. Um, so it, this report goes on. It, it talks about um, a big chunk of it is the, the crypto miner thing, but there, there, there are actually six, um, six security areas that the report talks about, and most of it is talking about the compromised Google Cloud instances and crypto miners. It's a great read. There's there's a lot in here, and the numbers are, are mind blowing. I, I guess this dovetails into um, some of the discussions we've had on this show previously about uh, best practice. You know, you need to make sure you're implementing best practice if you're implementing stuff in cloud. Get someone that knows how to do it. If you just treat it like a traditional IT, um, you know, a traditional IT environment, you're going to run into these problems. All right, moving on. Um, We've talked a lot about uh, the money Google is spending. I mean, it's just, it's just going crazy. Um, you know, I'm not complaining. It's just, it's, they must have, a, obviously, clearly they've got a plan that they're going to get their return on, in on, on investment with this. Um, and they've got to be in the game. They're, they're really committed now. They have to be in the game. Otherwise, you know. The likes of Azure and well, AWS are a top dog, but uh, you know they 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 they've got to try and catch them somehow. Um, article here on Znet um, has uh, is is saying Google has announced new cloud regions coming to Columbus, Ohio, Dallas, Texas in the US, as well as expansions across the globe, making apps run faster for local users. Uh, we have um, there'll be regions in Israel, um, South America. Europe, Asia, and the Middle East. So, um, yeah, they're putting data centers in everywhere. This article also mentions the, um, the Melbourne data center that went in recently. Um, and they're, gonna, they're adding to recent regions, open in Warsaw, Poland, Delhi, India, there's Melbourne's mentioned there, and Toronto, Canada. So uh, they're peppering um, data centers all over the globe. And uh, there is a figure in here 
Here we go. Google plans to spend 1 billion euros on cloud infrastructure over the next 10 years in Germany. In Germany alone, 1 billion euros. It's quite big. Yeah. It's quite a lot. And I know um, Google's plans to move, I guess, a lot of its internal workload onto Google Cloud. So I think even if you know they do all this expansion, there is still a lot of... Um, their internal apps, which they need to push in. There's a lot of stuff still running on their own kind of non-Google Cloud platform. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean are Google running on-prem stuff? Uh, yeah, so I mean, they've got their own separate data centers or separate workloads which run with um, product team managed infrastructure. Right. Um, and I think they're planning to move some stuff over. Well, everything over to Google Cloud as a as the platform makes yeah. makes sense, right? Eat, eat your own dog food. Absolutely makes sense. Um, yeah. So we'll see what happens as they spend up. Um, mm. all right. And um, I just wanted to have a we can just have an open discussion about this last item here. I I found this article on Outline. Um, it's it's interesting and it. it it re- really relates to cloud and, and, and sort of no-ops movement. Title of the article, it's time to get rid of the IT department. Time to get rid of the IT department. Now, um, this, this makes a lot of sense in terms of, of cloud, right? So what we're talking about here is, you know, well, traditionally businesses have an IT department um, and that IT department, you know, looks after all the, you know, domain controllers and all the boxes and everything that, that, that keeps the tech going in the business. But the problem with that it has been up until now is that that whole department is based on what they refer to this article as inputs, right? Go to most IT departments and ask how they are measured. It's almost always inputs, money they've spent, systems that don't break. Projects are coming on time and on budget, but there's almost nothing about the contribution that technology is making to the business outcomes. So the, the discussion in this article, which, which by the way is by uh, Joe Peppard, I'll link to, link to it in the show notes. Discussion in this article is around doing away with the IT department and then embedding those skills within each part of the business. Yeah, right. It's definitely um, something you see everywhere, or a lot of places. Where yeah, you know, yeah. This is definitely the move. Like, and and and, you know. and I can tell you firsthand that the project I've just come off um, is exactly what they did. Right, their 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 web presence was managed by their IT department, and they said no more. We want to move it. Uh, we the marketing team want to look after it now, and we want to deliver it by Google Cloud. And that's exactly what they've done. They've come to us, and we built it out for them. Um, but I think this is the way to go, that IT departments are going to be downsized more and more and more and become less and less relevant. Um, but, yeah, I guess the departments themselves maybe, or it might just kind of, you know, melt away into the rest of the organisation. But I think, they're not, you know, the head count of tech people will be definitely increasing across organisations, across the organisation as a, as a whole. The technically, oh, the head count of technically apt people, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's almost yeah. like... Any job you do now, you have to be technically apt, right? Yeah. Even if you, you know, an accountant. I mean, 
how good are accountants on doing uh, doing formulas in spreadsheets? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you have to be a whiz to do that kind of thing, right? At that, and if you are, then you know you're a great accountant. But um, and and take any job, um, you're working on it. The expectation is you're sitting down working on a computer. Um, yeah. Unless you're in retail, uh, yeah. but even then you're still, you know. Okay, there are always going to be sectors that's not like obviously building, retail, um, you know, I don't know, warehousing or something like that, right? But most of what we see is you need to be tech savvy and it involves working on a computer. Now, if um, the I, if you're beholden to the IT part, department to, de- to deliver the tool set that you need, and of course, you're going to go off somewhere. You're going to do find another way to do it. Yeah, I mean, if we, if say you know, if there's a, a thousand head employee company somewhere, and you can be running your own IT company or IT department, or you basically spread them out to everyone, and then you don't that that shift of everything to the cloud where you're not running servers, you're not managing like laptops, you can do. Um, everyone working remote now has these, you know, yep. endpoint device stuff yep. set up on the laptops, yep. but you can bring your own one. Yep. You don't need that extra, well, it's tend it into a delay to try and find, oh, we need a new laptop, or it's going to take three months, someone's going to provision it and whatever, or you just actually harden someone's, you know, someone buys them from a shop. <laughs> then you harden it afterwards. Uh, it depends on yeah. the, uh, I guess, uh, the risk profile of that organisation, but yeah. Um. Yeah, but if you're using, yeah, I mean, if you're using IAP, Google Cloud, and, you know, some, something like Okta or, you know, some multi-factor thing, then what is the risk? I mean, that's, do you need an extra VPN over the top of that? I don't think so, right? Like what? Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's just so cumbersome, right? Just to, just to have this, all this bulk around um, managing all of that extra stuff. And, and you're constantly finding yourself, I know I worked in ops for a while and it's just a constant downward pressure, right? The downward pressure to just reduce cost, reduce cost, reduce cost. And they're only doing that because they, they can't measure the direct contribution that makes back to the business, right? It's always a cost center, cost center, cost center, right? Um, yeah, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing this piece of work because it's going to reduce you know, it's going to improve so-and-so or reduce so-and-so. Yeah, but it's costing so much. I guess that link, links into the whole DevOps mentality as well, right? Yeah. Uh, where you need to spend a bit of engineering time to, to make an improvement. Uh, but traditional IT departments don't seem to measure it. Um, if, you, if, you're, if you're embedded with a part of the business that is invested with what you're doing um, and you come up with a solution that, an IT-based solution that immediately solves a problem, like could be anything, you know, within your business, then it's very tangible to see what that return is going to be, the return on that investment is going to be. But if you flick it out to an IT department, um, they don't, kind of don't care, right? And they just do what they think's right, and then you've got to you've got to try and explain it to them and all the rest of it, right? Yeah, budgeted. You know, oh, yeah, maybe in a couple of years, you know. Yeah. Well, look at that. That's the other thing, right? So you've got to get it budgeted. You've got to say, well, well how much are you going to spend over the next 12 months? Well, I don't know. What are the, what's the customer going to need? Well, I don't know. They might come and say, oh, we need to do A, B, and C. Um, oh, sorry, we can't do that because that wasn't budgeted 12 months ago. All right, well, fine, we're going to go to another company. 
I mean, it's, it's similar to how Spotify does a lot of their uh, you know, engineering teams. We, I think that instead of having a single-year core IT department, you'll end up with a guild or a chapter that's spread across all the other teams in each, you know, like an embedded engineer in every department. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they can collab. They can be like a, uh, I guess you call it a team of teams or like a virtual team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you'd, you'd, it'd be great to you know if if I was a comms person and I had a software developer who was like, oh, I really need you to you know, somehow doing this, you know, automating this task, and there was just someone right right there in your team who could help you with that or can quickly you know help you get what you need and it, it was technically technically savvy that makes much more sense than you know raising a ticket waiting for three days for someone to go hey, we have capacity yeah or you know yeah. yeah we don't have the funding for that right now kind of thing the response you'd yeah. get yeah 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 i would see that we'd, we'd run out of space on the nas uh, on the, on the <laughs> NAS, you know and you'd say well we need to keep two backups but the backups are bigger than the space that's been allocated, can you add it, give us more space? Oh, can't do that. The project, you know, the project isn't funded to, to allow that much space on the NAS. Okay, well, it doesn't get any backups then. <laughs> Who needs backups? Anyway? Who needs backups? Who needs backups? Anyway, interesting article. Go and have a read. Um, he has a good opinion on a couple of things there. Um, yeah, sayonara to the IT department. Anyway, guys, that's about it for us for this fortnight. And that'll be about it for us for this year. We're going to make this one the last one for the year. Uh, Big changes next year. We're going to spin up a new website. We're going to integrate it a bit more tightly with uh, the Kazna web presence. Um, Hopefully we get some iTunes feeds and Spotify feeds and all of that goodness in there for you. In the meantime, don't forget to look up uh, Kasna Between Two Clouds, our sister YouTube channel, which has got our CEO and CTO talking about uh, Kasna and um, and Google Cloud. Uh, you can contact us on the email, which is gcplife at kasna.com.au, or we've got the Twitter, at uh, gcplife, which I have to admit, I don't check that much, and it hasn't really been set up that well, but, you know, go for it. And, of course, the sponsor today was Kasna. At Kasna, we make your Google Cloud solutions possible. That's about it for us. Uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All that jazz. Anything else from you, Ida? Uh, It's been great having a chat. Um, Hope everyone has a nice extended break. All right, guys. We will catch you in the new year. Bye. See ya. Turn the mic around now. Let's see how it sounds. Okay. It's been, hopefully it's uh, doesn't sound much different. Louder. Oh, my God. It's quite different. <laughs> it sounds a million times better. Oh, well. <laughs>